This podcast was sponsored by Baba Sobers Wealth Management at UBS Financial Services. Baba Sobers Wealth Management works with physicians, medical practices, and hospitals, providing comprehensive wealth management services for individuals and institutions. Visit our website at advisors.ubs.com forward slash Baba Sobers WM. We're members of FINRA and SIPC. FirstNet, built with AT&T, is the only nationwide wireless network built with and for emergency responders, including Arizona physicians, nurses, and other critical staff. FirstNet subscribers get a great mobile experience with added security and peace of mind. Visit firstnet.com to learn more. is much easier to learn when you're younger but i don't think that there's ever a time when you can't learn it it might be a little bit more difficult as you progress through your career but i think it's there's always an opportunity to try to develop a base that will just again put a patient more at ease when you use some basic terminology just to let them know that you're trying and that you're wanting to develop that trust between the physician and the patient Hi, and welcome to the Arizona Physician Podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode. And we'll be talking about medical Spanish. We have three guests, all of whom are medical students. Paolo Pena is a second year medical student at the University of Arizona College of Medicine, Phoenix, and a co-president of the Latinx Medical Student Association, LMSA. He was born in New Jersey and moved to Phoenix, Arizona when he was very young. He was raised in a biracial household, being both Filipino and Ecuadorian. He learned Spanish throughout junior high and high school and continues to develop his medical Spanish skills at medical school. As a scribe in the emergency department, he was able to witness how language barriers are pervasive throughout the healthcare system. Through LMSA and the Migrant Health Interest Group on campus, he hopes to provide students the opportunity to learn medical Spanish and practice treating patients in a clinical setting. Also joining us is Jillian Reynoso, a second-year medical student at the U of A College of Medicine, Phoenix, and co-president of the school's LMSA chapter. After spending the first years of her life in Mexico, her mom moved them to Arizona, and they've resided in West Phoenix ever since. Growing up in Mexico allowed Jillian to have an appreciation for her culture and a unique opportunity to learn how to read and write in Spanish, beyond just speaking it. As she pursued medicine, she knew she wanted to serve the Spanish-speaking communities that raised her and found herself in a unique position as a future bilingual physician. She's very grateful for Paolo Orlando and the LMSA chapter members as a whole for their support and leadership, and is excited for what LMSA will continue to do in the future. Our third guest is Orlando Okuna, a first-year medical student at the same University of Arizona College of Medicine, Phoenix, and vice president of the LMSA chapter. Orlando was born and raised in West Phoenix, and had the opportunity to live in Mexico for four years, where he was able to perfect his Spanish-speaking abilities and develop his Spanish reading and writing skills. Throughout his time in Mexico, he gained insight into the cultural differences between his two native countries, which allowed him to better understand the healthcare disparities that exist across our communities. Orlando hopes to continue serving and advocating for his communities throughout his career, especially those that aided him in his journey to becoming a future bilingual physician. He wants to give special thanks as well to Jillian Paolo and the LMSA chapter members for the immense amount of support they provide for these communities and hopes to continue the tremendous work 
the current co-presidents have accomplished at the LMSA. Well, I'm really glad all three of you are on. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Today, we'll be talking about medical Spanish, um, but I want to start by first asking you about the, uh, the Latinx Medical Student Association, LMSA, in the chapter at, at U of A College of Medicine, Phoenix. So what is the mission? Our official mission is to promote the education and community outreach as well as student development related to the medical and the policies and practices related to the care of Latinx populations. But within that, we really try to foster an inclusive environment where people of all backgrounds, not just Latinx or Hispanic people, can learn about the culture, practice medical Spanish, and also increase their cultural competency. Um, and over the years, we've been very excited to watch our chapter grow so much, and we're very proud of all the work that we've been able to do so far, and we're very excited for what the future chapter leaders will continue to do. Jillian, thank you so much. It's really impressive to see what you guys have been able to do, and um, I'm glad that this exists. I'm glad that LMSA nationally is there. Anything else, Orlando or Paul, that you want to add about that? Oh, I think Jillian covered it really well. It really is trying to just create a inclusive environment at UA Compi. And as Jillian said, I'm really excited for how much the chapter has grown. Thanks, Paula. What programs does the chapter, or I guess nationally at LMSA, what programs are offered? So at um, our specific chapter for LMSA, we do what's called Almuerzos con Amigos, which is uh, a monthly session where people get to sign up. And that's really one of the main programs of our chapters where we get, they get to practice the medical Spanish. Uh, in those sessions as well, we also have a little cultural note about the different Latinx or Hispanic countries that form our LMSA chapter. So we have either Guatemala, Panama, Ecuador, Peru. We've done uh, multiple countries just to give a little cultural background. We also do lunch and learn talks where we bring uh, we have invited guests come over, talk about uh, how billing codes uh, or zip codes might affect billing codes, how African Latinx disparities exist, um, different things like that. We also do different mentoring sessions with the LMSA chapters at ASU. Um, we also just have social events for our for our chapter just to make sure we, again, create that inclusive environment where everybody's able to collaborate regardless of where they come from. Thank you, Orlando. I want to ask you guys about how how LMSA has helped to foster, I hope, a more inclusive community for the, the training that you've gone through and um, whether it helps to break down barriers between the medical school and the Spanish-speaking communities around you. What, what could you say that some of you are, or two of you are second year, one first year. So what have you seen so far and, and what do you hope to see going forward? I think like Paula mentioned, we're able to do a lot of brigades outside of Arizona. So not just giving back to our local community, but we've been able to go to Tijuana and Rocky Point, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but we've been able to, um, if there's students or physicians that do not speak Spanish, we've been able to provide care um, interpreting as well as performing interviews ourselves. And we think that the inclusive excellence or the inclusive environment is not only limited to being able to treat patients of all different uh, backgrounds, but also letting people know that part of Latinx culture is kind of just treating everyone as one big family. And so anyone that joins our Almuerzo sessions knows that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to ask questions where you're there to learn. And that's where you make mistakes. That way, when you're in clinic, you're able to know what's right and what's 
not the best way to say things. And at the end of the day, uh, patients are just very happy to know that you're putting in the effort. And that's part of like that inclusive uh, environment that we offer. So we make the patients feel comfortable. We make the providers and physicians feel comfortable and the students feel comfortable. So at the end of the day, everyone can just kind of do what's best for everyone involved. Thanks, Jillian. Um, Anything, Paolo or Orlando, that you want to add? Another aspect of our sessions, especially the Amorosos Conmigos and the Cafecitos that Orlando mentioned was that it's more than just learning vocabulary and conjugations. We also have sessions that focus on working with a translator as well as the cultural aspect of it. So in Latinx populations, there's a huge emphasis on family um, and then how that influences why someone might pursue healthcare or not. So it's more than just learning the vocabulary again. It's a lot encompassing trying to learn a whole picture about the patient to really hone in care for the different populations that we can work with in Phoenix and Tijuana and Rocky Point, as Jillian mentioned. Hello, thank you. Um, Before the break, I want to ask about medical Spanish and why it's important, especially for medical students and physicians who are working here in Arizona. So what would you say is the value of clinicians speaking Spanish? So it is known that patients really feel comfortable when they're working with a physician that looks like them in the sense that they may share aspects of their upbringing or language that is a commonality between the patient and physician. So it's also known that many patients face barriers in healthcare and a language barrier, uh, as you mentioned, I commonly see in the emergency department. And it's something that is really pervasive here in our AZ communities, just because of our huge Hispanic population. So Hispanics that really try and speak Spanish have the advantage of being able to communicate directly with the patients instead of using an interpreter. And that means a world of difference. And interpreters are so helpful still, but it's that impersonal environment that some patients can feel in a clinic when interpreters are used. Uh, Even if a physician cannot speak Spanish fluently, a patient will even value the small effort that physicians can make and trying to just communicate with them in their language. And that alone can help establish trust and comfort that is really fundamental in the relationship between a patient and their physician. Paolo, thank you so much. And um, you mentioned Hispanic. And so I'm wondering if we could, before this break, cover the difference between Latino and Hispanic. So does it deal with whether you speak Spanish and the, the cultural background and what terms people should use, whether Hispanic or Latino? So Latinx, I more refer to anyone who comes from Latin America. So North America, Central America, South America, Hispanic population is technically more of a reference to Spain in that population, Spanish speaking population. But sometimes I'll use it as an umbrella term of just anyone who kind of falls into Latinx and Hispanic. It's a little bit of a semantic kind of deal. But um, for me, I see it as a little bit more of an umbrella term, but again, Jillian and Orlando might have a different approach to that. Okay. Jillian, what would you say about the the terminology and and also the the more recent usage of Latinx as opposed to Latino and why that is the case? I agree with what um, Paulo said, Hispanic. In my um, experience is mostly just for anyone that speaks Spanish versus Latin Latinx can be referring to anyone from Latin America. And I think the new 
move towards uh, Latinx versus Latino or Latina is now incorporating a move towards more um, genderless and inclusive uh, environments because Spanish is a language that uses a lot of gender pronouns for just simple things like water. Um, the whole language is full of them. But um, now that we are aware of more um, gender affirming care, we also want to move towards using Latinx to encompass the community um, because not everyone can identify with either Latina or Latino. So we just use that all encompassing term, even though the language itself is still very pronounced, we can at least use that to include more people. Julian, thank you. Yeah, I, I speak a little bit of uh, French and the the gender pronouns for verbs, uh, for, for uh, articles and everything uh, is very strong. So I, I totally understand um, there's another romance language in Spanish why that's the case. We'll take a short break. And then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation about medical Spanish and um, everything that's involved. So stick around. Interested in CME, patient and professional referrals, networking and connecting with other physicians across the valley, want to be highlighted in our Arizona Physician Magazine and podcast, or interested in exclusive discounts for your next vacation? At MCMS, we offer all of the above to fit your needs as a physician. Join us now. For more info, check us out at mcmsonline.com or give us a call today at 602-252-2015. Welcome back to the Arizona Physician Podcast. And we're speaking today with three guests from the U of A College of Medicine, Phoenix, Orlando Acuna, Julian Reynoso, and Paolo Pena. Okay, guys. So in the first half of the show, we kind of laid out LMSA. We talked about where you're coming from and, uh, and why this is important, why clinicians should be speaking Spanish, especially in Arizona. How much Spanish really do you think that physicians should be able to speak and understand from their patients? We think that the more Spanish that a physician can speak and understand, the smoother an interaction or the encounter with the patient can go, with the Spanish-speaking patient specifically. Um, but with that being said, we don't think it takes 100% fluency to put a Spanish-speaking patient at ease. Um, they'll appreciate any effort that's being made by the physician to communicate in the patient's native language. And that really helps strengthen the trust and relationship between the two, which is something we really try to emphasize in all of our sessions, like we mentioned previously. Um, and then if a physician is still unable to communicate further and effectively, um, an interpreter can always be sought after to make sure that the patient's care is not compromised due to the language barrier. But even just a simple introduction in Spanish, the patient will probably just feel like they know the, the physician is really trying to connect with them on that in more intimate level. And I think the patient will appreciate it just as much. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just try. Try to learn some salutations, try to learn some, some basic stuff and then grow from there. And I, even if as a clinician, people can't do it themselves, certainly there are translators or maybe some staff, hopefully, to lean on until you can uh, engross yourself in the culture a little bit too. understand um, the rich variety of foods and drinks and everything and relate to people that way. So I understand a popular program for your, the LMSA chapter, as we've talked about, is offering medical Spanish training for medical students. Is it easier for people to learn languages when they're younger, like when they're in medical school? I mean, certainly the three of you did it even before you got into med school, but as opposed to a physician, I'd say, who's more like 50 or 60 years old, would you recommend that people learn it younger? It is much easier to learn it when you're younger. And I think the most important aspect of trying to learn Spanish, especially in these phases right now, is just practicing it. 
because of how easy it can be to forget when it's not something that's routinely used. We've had many students come up to us telling us how they took Spanish for four years in high school, or uh, I have another friend that majored in Spanish in uh, college, and they tell us how much they've forgotten from those classes because of the inability to practice it in a, in a regular routine. And so it is much easier to learn when you're younger, but I don't think that there's ever a time when you can't learn it. It might be a little bit more difficult as you progress through your career, but I think it's there's always an opportunity to try to develop a base that will just, again, put a patient more at ease when you use some basic terminology just to let them know that you're trying and that you're wanting to develop that trust between the physician and the patient. Yeah, well, I know that's a good point. And some people are just better at languages and foreign languages than others. And for some, it, it rolls off your tongue much more easily. And, and the, the enye, the different ways of speaking Spanish are, are, are different. The, the way the guttural sounds that you may have in Spanish and other languages vary. Um, what's involved with the training that you guys provide? Besides the programs that we have, we have actual school-sponsored programs that happens between the summer break, between your first year and second year. Um, that one is the Cafecitos en la Casa, uh, which is similar to our Muerto sessions, but it happens more bi-weekly instead of just a monthly session. So students, it's the same thing where they learn different aspects of the patient interaction from the introduction to history taking to the physical exam, all in Spanish. And it provides that different levels that students can uh, sign up for based on their comfortability and how much they're able to speak prior to the sessions. Um, so students are able to practice pronunciation, learn medical vocabulary, vocabulary, um, and then just the different conjugations. Um, and then our actual monthly sessions, our Marcos con Amigos, are more informal and they follow the same format. But for those ones, we have our cultural presentations. And then the biggest pull is we also serve food with those. So uh, everyone really loves attending them. Yeah, food always helps. That always Got uh, students of all ages to go to something, even adults. Um, so outside of attending any training that, that your group provides, what other resources would you say exist that clinicians could use to learn more Spanish in general or medical Spanish in particular? And I know that there are smartphone apps. There are a slew of things that are online that you could find for free, especially for Spanish. Local libraries, for example, they've got a ton of stuff that's free. But what would you say are the are the resources that you want to recommend to people? You're not being in, you know endorsing any products, but yeah, where would you point people to learn on their own? Uh, so one of the programs that is offered through our school as well is Canopy, which is very much focused on medical Spanish, and they have three different levels as well, starting off your basic to more advanced to more conversational. Um, and that is some free online resources that people can uh, go through as well. And another one, of course, is Duolingo. It's pervasive throughout social media. And that's just an app that helps a lot of our classmates practice Spanish in general. Um, and really the best practice or any kind of program you can be a part of is just speaking with a variety of individuals and making sure you're in a setting of immersion where you're almost forced to practice and speak in Spanish and figure out things instead of just having to rely on English from an interpreter. Uh, so our school actually offers a fourth year rotation that's just really focused on that of medical Spanish and being in clinics that you're only talking to patients in Spanish. 
And so I really think those are important of just repeatedly going through that and just making sure it's ingrained into your brain of how to form sentences and remembering vocab. So those are the biggest things that I would recommend. Paolo, thank you. I, I know that there are some programs that offer immersive training in places like Guatemala, very popular. I don't know how many thousands of dollars you have to pay and you go there for weeks or a month at a time. I'm not sure if people have that time while they're still practicing physicians, probably better to do before you get into the training or you want to take sort of a sabbatical to, to dig into it. But um, yeah, plenty of stuff out there. Jillian or Orlando, anything that you want to add about resources? We always want to advocate that the best resource is just really plunging into the, the language. So practicing with a friend, uh, you know, talking to someone that speaks the language, practicing with them, or like you mentioned, going to the country for a couple of weeks or a month and just really doing it, um, the, the language and practice and like our multiple trips to outside of the country. Uh, most people really, that really helps them get into the swing of the, the language and applying the cultural aspects of it in the clinic setting. Yeah, thanks, Jillian. I mean, it, we're we live in this place that has amazing access to uh, a wide variety of people who speak Spanish. So, um, thank you, Orlando. I think that, and this is more of an informal, really way of uh, practicing. But what I found when I lived in Mexico, what I found a lot of people doing trying to learn English is that they would watch movies in English with Spanish subtitles, and that just helps them to kind of associate the words that they're reading with the actions that they're seeing. So again, just if you want to get really serious about learning Spanish, but there's not really an opportunity to practice it well with the people around you, um, I think that's one of the better ways to try to learn it. Um, that helped me also when I was living in Mexico and trying to develop my Spanish better is just watching kind of programs with subtitles on and just associating the words with the actions that they're doing. So um, again, just a more informal way of doing it, but it's a great way to practice when you don't have really somebody around you to practice Spanish with. Orlando, that's a great point. I think a lot of TV shows and movies these days, especially if you're watching them on some kind of smart device, have that option for subtitles. So yeah, great resource. Well, thank you guys so much for, for being on the show. But before we let you go, I wanted to ask you your medical plans and what you think you may want to do next, which is probably a common question that you receive. So whether you have an answer ready to go or you're like, ah, I just don't know. It's too early. Jillian, I'll start with you first. You're in your second year right now. Where do you think you want to go with your training? I would love to go into family medicine. It's something that I've been wanting to be since I was a little scribe. Now I'm a second year and I've still wanted to continue. Everyone says I'll change my mind third year, but I really, really hope that I continue with that plan and go into family medicine and actually stay in Arizona for residency and beyond to help with these communities. Orlando? I have always had a second passion in sports. So I think uh, route and PMNR is, uh, which stands for physical medicine and rehabilitation, is something that I've kind of leaned towards. But again, as a first year, I'm not trying to uh, nail myself down to any one specialty. I'm trying to keep an open mind. So we'll see where, where these next few years take me, but that's kind of what I lean towards. Sounds good. And finally, Paula. So uh, this is something that really surprised me because I going into medical school, I was unsure what I wanted to do, but over the first year in this part of second year, I've really had such a love for pediatrics and it's something that I really never saw myself going into. Uh, and specifically, I hope either go into general pediatrics or uh, peds, hematology, oncology. 
regardless of which path you choose, I think you're getting into a great field to help uh, people in your own neighborhoods and communities. And I think doing it by speaking Spanish will just strengthen what you can do and the impact you'll have. So thank you so much to our guests today, Julian Reynoso, Orlando Acuna, and Paulo Pena. Thank you all very much. Uh, thanks for your time and best wishes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, John. This production is brought to you by Maricopa County Medical Society. MCMS is increasing value for physicians throughout the valley. For more info, check out mcmsonline.com or simply give us a call at 602-252-2015, helping physicians be the best they can be. Does your financial advisor help you pursue what matters most? With so much at stake when it comes to protecting everything you've worked so hard to achieve, it never hurts to get a second opinion about your financial future. At Baba Sobers Wealth Management at UBS Financial Services, our approach starts by understanding your life and what you want to accomplish. Then we work together to create a framework designed to give you the confidence to do what matters most, no matter what the markets are doing. We want to help ensure you have all you need for today, tomorrow, and for generations to come. For more information about Baba Sobers Wealth Management, visit our website at advisors.ubs.com forward slash Baba Sobers WM. We're members of FINRA and SIPC.